This episode of Sauce Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotic Milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kid's diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good. We invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club for special needs mamas, Source Mama. Unapologetically candid, uncut and heartbreakingly real, whilst uniting, elevating and fiercely empowering. Join the greatest pride of lionesses ever to have walked the earth at saucemama.com.au or Instagram or Facebook, follow at saucemama. I'm Rachel Williams and today we're chatting with one amazing mama. Her name's Kat Barlow and she's used her journey to help and inspire other parents to find their purpose and direction. We're going to delve into Kat's journey to where she is today. A big welcome to you, Kat. Thank you very much for joining us. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Now, Kat, um, tell us um, from your perspective, you've got a beautiful son, Noah, and you call his disability the terrible gift. What do you mean by that? So the terrible gift for us is that, you know, Noah's condition has brought us great many wonderful things that perhaps we wouldn't have had in life before. It's brought us wonderful friends. It's brought us um, the ability to be able to stop and notice what matters and to notice the small things in life that perhaps we would have airbrushed over previously. Um, And more family time, the ability to stop still. Um, I don't work a 90 hour week anymore. I am with him all of the time. But of course you wouldn't wish it on anybody else. Noah's condition is life limiting. It has no treatment, it has no cure. So that's where the terrible bit comes from too. Absolutely, so tell us a little bit about Noah. Where's he at at the moment? Uh, well, Noah blazed into the world 11 weeks early when I was 29 weeks pregnant, nearly on set of a TV show I was working on. So I should have known then that his future was bound to be dramatic uh, because he certainly proved that it would be. Um, and from then, he just you know, gained a catalogue of diagnoses as we went along the way, um, all of which were put down to him being premie. Um, but as he got sicker, he had um, his first stroke-like episode when he was two. And obviously that marked a sort of a difference, a new thing that we were going to be dealing with. And, you know, the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne became our second home. And um, it wasn't until he was seven that he got diagnosed with mitochondrial disease complex one. So um, that affects, so powerhouse of the cell, think back to science at school, that affects every part of the body so cells are in every part so from the top of his head to the tips of his toes he struggles with every single thing because the energy in his cells isn't being made properly to keep his organs going to keep himself going so but he is you know he's an awesome little soul he's a happy little bean he loves lego um he loves star wars and you know he's 10 so he's also just the right amount of pain you know and just the right amount of um rat bag that he needs to be (laughs) 10 year olds they start getting really stinky about 10 don't they (laughs) I've got a few of them myself um and you look like you're all set up as a as a teacher in the background you're actually homeschooling him at the moment 
We are, yeah, we're homeschooling. Um, this is where I have set up to do any of my videos or any of my online stuff because otherwise my house is usually a complete tip. If I turned you around the other way, you'd feel quite assured that my life is like everybody else's no. and completely upside down most of the time. Don't ruin so, the illusion for us, please. <laughs> Everything here is perfect. Everything yeah. is fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. So, Kat, everything obviously isn't fine. He's a beautiful 10-year-old boy and, and, as you say, he's got life-limiting conditions. What is his actual prognosis long-term? Um, that, well, uh, they never said, they said he'd never reach 10. So um, we were told when he was seven months old that he was, um, you know, wasn't looking good and we weren't sure how long we'd have him for. And then he had MRI at two and they said, very limited seven months to seven years is what we could expect and then you know here we are at 10 and when we had the last um, appointment with our metabolic team and we were proffered some sort of uh, attempt at what his prognosis would be I said I don't want to hear it with respect and with love um, he is um, one of the only children in the world with his condition and so who knows, right? He he will march to the beat of his own drum, just like all kids do. And so we will just live how we live instead of, you know, we have a living life list, not a bucket list. We don't march towards the end. We march with purpose in the life that we are gifted now. And that's a very empowering um, position to be in, to have that belief. It certainly wasn't always that way, you know. No, tell us about I, when, that. When I, when I first got the phone call, um, it was literally, it, it was so bizarre. It was almost comical because the doctor actually said to me on the phone, are you sitting down? And I remember thinking, they only say that in movies. What a <laughs> weird thing to be happening. And so I was half listening as he then went on to describe this bilateral symmetrical brainstem damage and the brainstem's the worst place to injure. And, and you know, I sat and for two weeks I just couldn't believe that this little person who at that time was two years old just needed me in the same way, you know, was just was a two-year-old child with all these needs, of course, but, you know, the, his world hadn't changed, right? You know, I knew this new information, but for him it hadn't changed. And so I sobbed, I grieved, I was angry, I tried to distance myself from it. I didn't want to know about it. I was furious. I thought they were wrong. All of the things that we all feel when we, you know, we're gifted with a child with additional needs, right? So I felt definitely all of those things um, and that, you know, I described that as living grief, something that they never really tell you about that's going to happen. You feel so disconnected and so overwhelmed and yet nobody says, oh, that's really normal. If, if you're going through this and you've had that happen, that's really normal. So and then literally about two weeks in, which I appreciate is very quick, but that's how it was for me. And I, I know that it's not like that for everyone. I just remember sitting on the sofa and I was just, you know, snot bubbling, crying, but looking at this little person who was like, eh, you know, doing all of his thing. And just, and I just went, actually, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I want to honor the life he has, whatever that looks like. And I cannot live like this in this now live with it and not in it so I know that it's happening I'm not deluded I'm not you know I don't pretend it's not happening you know we're having this conversation I talk about it openly but I don't live in it like I don't live in the dark depths of what that looks because I have no need to and neither does he and so that's an empowering feeling and, and now you're trying to assist other people gain that empowerment is that right you've developed um or created empowerment ethos 
So for the last three years, I've been working with parents of kids with um, uh, disability diagnosis and different diversities um, to help them live a life without limits. And that, you know, doesn't mean necessarily, you know, climbing mountains, although if that's your bag, then go hard. But a lot more about um, acceptance of what is and the ability to realize that you can have a beautiful life with what is. You don't need to wait for something to change because often for us, it isn't going to change. You know, the stress isn't going to you know, the, the grief isn't going to go away easily. And so how can we now embrace these things and be able to walk a life that, that not only honors the space that our child needs, but also for us to look after ourselves, to be able to live in peace and stillness and not in pain and panic and anxiety. You know, it doesn't feel nice. So yeah, that's what we do together. So tell us a little bit about the course that you offer and is there an, you know, a consistent or recurring theme that you see when, when parents first meet you and come to you for your help? I think the first thing is, is that um, we do what all parents do when they have a child with a diagnosis. We spend the first goodness knows how long years researching, saying, how can we make this better? How can we help them? How can we do this for them? What does that look like? And, see? and all of those things that, of course, we do, like no question, but we just forget for a second to go, and what I do for me and what does parenting now look like for me and what does I was expecting it to be this this and this or maybe you had other children and you knew it was this this and this which is we can expect what parenting is going to be like but maybe there was an expectation and so when that's changed we don't we just forget us you go we go right down on the bottom of the list of things to look after but actually bridging the gap between where we thought we were going to be and what we, the life we've lived now is essential because in between that area, it's the difference between living in the darkness and living in pain and anxiety and just thinking it's not fair, it's not okay, this is awful and I can't live this way to only feeling those ways on the darkest days because, of course, you have all of the feelings, it's essential, but to be able to walk in the light too, to also have days where you're like, this is awesome, this is amazing, you know, I'm having the best day, or I'm just enjoying this moment with my child and I can see them as a child, just, you know, whatever that looks like, however their ability is. So is there emotional or intellectual or physical barriers to to stop or prevent people from, from getting to that place of inner peace and understanding? I think often it's just belief. It's the belief that things can be any different. You know, quite often, right from the beginning of having a child, if you are if you have a child who's born with a disability, quite often the first conversations about your child with friends and family is, I'm sorry. And that's hard, really hard. I'm really sorry to hear that. And you're like, but I just had a beautiful baby. But as soon as they find out there's something maybe not wrong, with all beautiful intention, with all beautiful love and the compassion that they're gifting you, no question, the, the the response is often, I'm really sorry to hear that. And so we start to then question right from that minute, oh my God, this is awful. Actually, this is hard. Actually, this is going to be the, the worst thing I've ever done. Not the hardest thing, but the worst thing I've ever done. And when you sit in that belief for years and years and years and years, you that's all you know, right? That's all you can do. And certainly all of those moments are true. This is not about pretending it's not challenging or not hard. It isn't. It's actually going to the darkest depths and going, hey, how are you? Actually, I'm awful. How are you? I'm awful. What should we do about it? I know. Why don't we do this, this, and this to be able to support each other and walk together on this path that we've 
that we want to create so that we can honor our own lives you know remember who we were before when we were having fun and have all that stuff is possible right now even in the darkest times i have laughed till i've cried in icu with my mates because it just is that is our life that is where we walk we've been on you know hospice camps and we're surrounded obviously all of our children have life limiting illnesses and we laugh till we cry we have the best time because the connection is there because the knowing is there because the belief that we're allowed to do that even is there and that's the thing is it just being able to know that you are allowed to because i know obviously source mama and and the private facebook group that's been set up people come to that they feel comfortable they can say exactly what they feel whereas if they said it perhaps to a to a mum at the schoolyard with a child that didn't have a life-limiting condition they'd probably be looked at and frowned Ooh. upon almost um that must well, be... we have very dark sense of humor we have very dark <laughs> sense of humor there's no question about it but what there's nothing wrong with that either right like that is all of the things we're allowed to feel any of the feels that includes the darkest grief and the worst pain we've ever felt and the most beautiful joy and everything in between it's just the hardest part to access is the most joy we've ever felt or the the most wonderful part it's almost like we feel that it's so awful and so challenging that that wouldn't be possible anymore but it is with the right tools and strategies in place and right the right people behind you right the right tribe and that's the, the common denominator that i hear with anyone that i speak to for either source kids or source mummer is that finding your tribe and and you know, having yeah, the people that have your back. What are you still working on yourself as as a, a mum on this journey? Like, you you know, we, we all pretend we have it all together, but I'm assuming oh, no, there are I days that you don't. <laughs> I definitely don't pretend I have it all together at all, ever. I think it's really important to understand that we're all a work in progress every single day. And sometimes every other minute, right, there'll be something happen or something else will come up and you and it challenges who you thought you were and especially if you have a child with a contain a changing condition or a condition that is declining things can change like that i mean, i know for me like when noah has another stroke and, and so he's had eight now what happens in that minute to, where am i at you know where do i go and i definitely in that moment i'm like oh my goodness it's happening again this is a nightmare this is awful what can i do you know i definitely go there there's no question of course you do we're not robots, we're people. Mm -hmm. So then how do we then though, but the recovery rate for my mental health is a lot quicker now that I know where to go to and how to work that out than it was previously where I would sit in snot bubble for 25 weeks looking at him going, why is this so challenging, right? And why is this so hard? The answer is it, because it is, just, just that, because it just is, that is how it is. So how can you now accept what is but then move forward with that yeah. instead of lamenting what could have been, might have been, should have been, all of those things because it's just not that, is it? No, I'm assuming not. And I'm assuming that you learn almost as much or some things from the people that come to you for assistance all to learn time. how to be empowered. All the time, all the time. I learn from the kids. I learn from my son endlessly. His resilience has taught, has taught me everything I would ever need to know about resilience every single thing because i've watched him teach himself how to rewalk again so many times learn how to you know numbers so many times to talk again to be like and he just goes okay so let's and i just watch him it's like wow okay and of course exactly the same but that's why tribe is important that's why team is important because we see other people and we're like wow you're amazing 
yeah. I was surrounded by amazing people. Every single so person I've you? ever worked with has taught me things. And um, I have wonderful friends who dad supports us. Uh, you know, he's a, a great daddy, very good and he plays lego better than i could ever possibly <laughs> imagine to be able to play um, and all the um the the moms that i work with you know they me too we all support each other right like you say every time i've ever spoken to anyone i'm like wow i learned something today thank you for sharing that because perspective is everything right and i can't possibly know what it's like to live all of these lives with all of these kids how could i possibly and i would never pretend to but what i do know is that as long as we're open and we're open-hearted we all have gifts to share and you know I'm with um parents as well who get it so i have you know great mates who are hospice care parents who get it and parents who unfortunately have been through the pain and the grief of already losing their child so how do you break it down for people who come to you with you know pulling their hair out they have no idea how to move forward in the right way for themselves and their child how do you break it down for them well we definitely don't work on parenting skills <laughs> what, we, what we do is work on inner self skills on self skills so i don't teach people how to parent because goodness knows we're all definitely making that up, up as we go <laughs> along aren't we yes so it is about looking at because again perspective so one person might come with one with one child with one diagnosis and feel catastrophically devastated to the point where they function and that's okay and that same you know a mom of the same thing same illness might come and be like oh it's not too bad so obviously there is a gap there in what what has come before or what skills or or strategies have been taught before and often it comes from our old feelings of not feeling enough or not feeling worthy or not feeling important and so we look at our underlying beliefs, our core beliefs, what our self-talk looks like, um, and then working on strategies of mindfulness and meditation and stillness and peace and a whole host of other things so that we're working on the person. We're working on the person inside, not the parent inside, the person inside. Because um, I, you know, I work with daddies as well as I work with mummies. So I have, um, in fact, I had more dads on my course last time than I did moms. So I, um, it's a very big balance and it's, um, and I think it's much more about soul self and who we are as human beings, which we so often forget when we have kids. We're like, how can I be a better parent for this person? Well, the first thing to do is how can you do good things for you so that you feel better as a person? How can you feel better? How can you look after yourself so that you can move forward? I'm assuming that 10 years ago you didn't have this um, journey that you now tread um, put in your 10-year plan. Um, I didn't. My my, um, my mom was diagnosed with MS, so I did have experience of being around um, uh, complex illness. Um, and I had my own uh, stuff going on, which we then find out was, you know, part of this mitochondrial stuff. Um, but I'd always been presented with, with resilience. I'd always been taught what grit looks like. I'd always been, and I'd been through enough in my life to have learned the skills. And I remember when I got one of my diagnoses when I was 18 and it was to do with my spine, it's all very boring. But my mom said to me then, she said, what a gift. And I was like, I was, I remember being furious first. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And she said, what a wonderful way to be able to have the world in two perspectives. perspectives. 
to be able to look at the world as you knew it before as a healthy well, you know, going hard, no, you know, no fear going forward. And now to be gifted the opportunity to see what it's like to know adversity properly. And so it is the same. I feel the same way now because that was my modeling. That was what I learned growing up. And so I'm very, very, very lucky to have had that adversity to be able to move forward, but also to have that modeling to me. And so all of the things we learn um, in my course and, and, and with our tribe is that so we can also do this for our kids, right? Because um, often our kids, um, whatever is going on for them, are going to face life of, of adversity, uh, where they're going to need resilience, where they're going to need grit. And so if we can show them like to walk that way, they will learn it too. Same as if we're really anxious and we're really stressed, my first thing is, well, what do I do for me? Because I certainly felt anxious to the point of being absolutely paralyzed by it, unable to be around people socially, the whole thing. So I get it and I'm not judging it. It is exactly that. And I still have days when I wake up and I'm like, oh, what's that feeling? Okay, I feel anxious. What do I need to do for me? Okay, I need to go for a walk. That's my safe space. Okay, I'm going to go walk. And now Noah, who's my son, he'll go, you'll see him breathing. And I go, what's going on? He's like, I don't like this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to feel this way. So he's learning too, right? What we're model. And I'm lucky that he's, you know, cognitively mainstream and not everybody has the opportunity, but I do believe that energy is a really big deal. Yeah. The ability to be able to feel that and have a child feel that is very powerful. And is there a time frame it takes to get to that point? Or I'm assuming everyone has a different journey. Yeah, everybody has a different thing. Like for me, literally from absolute horror, paralyzing grief to a living grief that I'm still walking every single day now, but is, but is functional and but is without that horror feeling of being paralyzed was two weeks. Now I get that that is really unusual and I certainly wouldn't expect anything. I just think the, if it's taken you, you know, if you've been really anxious to the point of, of, of it, making life very challenging for five years, expect it to take at least a year to do something about it, you know, to walk that path. And that's okay, is, is the point. It's okay. Not, changing our life, changing our souls, changing our mind isn't a quick fix. It is, how do I want the rest of my life to look? How do I want my soul to look? How do I hold journey to me? And just investing that time and going, this may take a year. This may take five years, but you know what? I'm going to start today. I'm going to do tiny little things every day to help myself feel better about where I'm at right now. So what might some of those tiny little steps be that, you know, someone listening to this might say, okay, I can see where you're coming from, it, but over here looks like such a long way away. How do I first get that ball rolling? Making time for yourself. Um, I, I've find the word self-care very challenging because to me it's almost like a buzzword where we have a reason to not do it if we don't want to whereas looking after ourselves is just like breathing it is so essential it's like anything else and we look after everybody we look after our own people and our own kids to the point where it, it takes over our whole soul but you know carers fatigue and compassion fatigue is a very real thing so know that you are important, know that you are worthy of care and attention and take 10 minutes, just 10, every single day to do something that makes your soul shine. Now, for you, that might be, well, for me, it's putting on 90s hip hop and dancing around like a complete ding dong because I love it. 
happy. Some days it's meditation. Some days it's literally breathing where I put my hand on my heart and I close my eyes and I sit for 10 minutes and I think about what I'm grateful for. And I just breathe into my heart space and I just take 10 minutes out. And it's only that. I remember meditating when Noah was in an MRI. I was like, oh, I've got an hour. Okay, that works. And I sat in that noisy, in that horrible noise and sat and I meditated because I was like, oh, this is time for me. I can do that. I don't need to sit and worry about him right now. I don't. He's right there. And he's being watched. So and I'm making those times. Just looking at the, the sign behind you, have courage and be kind. It's almost like you need to have the courage to do it for yourself, but then to be kind to yourself on the journey. Self-compassion is everything. We are so good at giving compassion out to everybody else on earth, to our tribe, to our friends, to other people going through it, and to our kids constantly, especially if it's something they're finding challenging. We find it tremendously challenging to turn around and give it to ourselves. But just asking ourselves a question, what do I need in this moment? And what can I do for me today is life-changing, life-changing. Ask yourself the question people and and maybe do you think too far ahead of what life might be like once things change drastically or do you not let yourself do that no no absolutely oh I I think you you do I mean of course I certainly have those moments you know um, and I think about it but I don't live there and so whilst I always allow all emotions the darkness and you know the worst and the best because you know, it's just all energy in motion and not what we need, you know, not a call to action. So allow yourself to feel all those things. Um, but how I am building myself up now, and it, it is so important for other carers too, is it, it, I will never be prepared for when it happens. There's no question. And I'm not suggesting that that's even possible because that would be deluded of the highest order. But I can say that I will have some tools and some strategies on board that I hope I hope will serve me well when that time comes so that I'm building up who I am and I have something external to self and I have something that is important that matters to me external to self that it's legacy that I'm building that I'm the the ability to be able to walk with other people um, and see their see their pain and sadness and not want to fix it but know that I want to walk with them you know all of those things are what matters yeah. How can people reach out to you if, if they feel like they need a, a helping hand on that journey for their journey? So I'm on Facebook, Kat Barlow Empowerment Ethos, or you can find me on my website, empowermentethos.com. Wonderful. And I think you should read a children's book on some sort of uh, online channel. You've got the most amazing voice. <laughs> Have you, you done some work with that before? <laughs> Noah's, Noah's actually written a children's book. It was on his living life list uh, last year. So we make a list at the beginning of each year of things we're going to achieve. And he wrote a book called Beryl the Ninja Chicken. It is for sale on my shop. Um, and voice you need to do an audio it. version of it then. <laughs> yeah. but he has done one for um, his mate who was blind and his mate who... Um, um, who doesn't read. So, you know, but we should absolutely do one and put it out there to the universe. You're quite right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, please um, pass on our love to Noah. I hope he's doing well at the moment. And thank you to you for, for your time and your honesty. And hopefully um, if people need some help, they can reach out to you through those channels. Thank you so much. Love and light to everybody. Thank you. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, that was the, the amazing Kat Barlow, who is so inspirational. Uh, if you've loved our chat and would like to listen to more, please 
do search for Source Mama podcast. We have um, done some um, previously and, and there will be more to come into the future. And there's also plenty of inspiration for you over on the web website, sourcemama.com.au. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And there is a private Facebook group uh, for you to join. It's just for members and it's a really supportive community. Uh, so we do invite you to become part of the most exclusive, inclusive club um, of special needs mamas. So again, thank you. I'm Rachel Williams. I look forward to seeing you all soon. This episode of Source Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness plus prebiotic milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kids' diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good.